I think it's important that we read this whole passage uh, to, to understand Rahab, okay? So let's start in Joshua chapter 2 and in verse 1. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two, two spies to Shittim. He sent them in secret. He said to them, go look over the land. Most of all, check out Jericho. Y'all remember Jericho? Y'all know a song about Jericho? Come on, what is it? And the walls come tumbling down or fall down, according on which uh, version you have. But come tumbling down, that's what I remember in vacation Bible school. Same Jericho, the Jericho with, with big walls, thick walls that would be a, a really a fortified city that nobody could invade. So go check that place out. So they went to Jericho. They stayed at the house of a prostitute. Her name was Rahab. The, the king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight. They've come to check out the land. So the king sent a message to Rahab. It said, Bring out the men who come into your house. They've come to check out the whole land. But the woman had hidden the two men. She said, It's true the men came here. But I don't, I don't know where uh, they had come from. They left at sunset uh, when it was time to close the city gate. Now, this wouldn't be unusual, you know, because she was a prostitute, so people would come, and you get the idea, right? Come and go. <clears throat> I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You might catch up with them. But, the, uh, but in fact, she had taken them up on the roof. There she had hidden, hidden them under some flax that she had piled up. The king's men left to hunt down the spies. They took the road that leads to where the Jordan River can be crossed. As soon as they had gone out of the city, the gate was shut. Rahab went up on the roof before the spies settled down for the night. She said to them, and listen to what she said, I know that the Lord has given you this land. We were very much afraid of you. Everyone who lives in this country is weak with fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. We've heard what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings. They ruled east of the Jordan River. You completely destroyed them. When we heard about it, we were terrified because you... Uh, because of you, we aren't brave anymore. The Lord your God is the God who rules in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please give me your word. Promise me in the name of the Lord that you will be kind to my family. I've been kind to you. Promise me that you will spare the lives of my father and mother. Spare my brothers and sisters. Also spare everyone in their families. Promise that you won't put any of us to death. So the men made a promise to her. If you, uh, if you save our lives, we'll save yours, they said. Just don't tell anyone what, we've, what we're doing. Then we'll be kind and faithful to you when the Lord gives us this land. The house, of, uh, the house Rahab lived in was part of the city wall. She let the spies down by a rope through the window. She said to them, go into the hills. The men chasing you won't be able to find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return. Then you can go on your way. 
The spies had said this to her. You, may, uh, you made us give our word, but we won't keep our promise unless you do what we say. When we enter the land, you must tie this bright red rope in the window. Tied in the window, uh, you let us down through. Bring your father and your mother into your house. Also bring your brothers and everyone else in, in your family. None of you must go out into the street. If you do, anything that happens to you will be your own fault. We won't be responsible. But if anyone hurts someone who is inside the house with you, it will be our fault. We will be responsible. Don't, let any, uh, don't tell anyone what we're doing. If you do, we won't have to keep our promise to, to you, or we won't have to keep the promise you ask us to make. I agree, Rahab replied. I'll do as you say. So she sent them away, and they left. Now listen. And she tied the bright red rope in the window. Whew, that's a lot. Let's break it down just a little bit. So if you don't know, these spies had gone into what we call the promised land. And it's called the promised land because God promised it to the Israelites. That's exactly right. God had given the Israelites or his chosen people this promise. The promise of this land to own, to possess, to live in, to take. Okay, so this was going to be theirs. And so these two spies had come in. This isn't the first time that Israel was going to enter into this land. This is the second time. The first time, instead of two spies, they sent 12 spies. Some of you may know this. And so the 12 spies went out and they said, it's a great land. It's got, it, it, you may have heard this, it's land flowing with milk and honey. It's, I mean, it's fertile. It's great. It's a wonderful place, but the people are huge, and we look like grasshoppers. And so 10 said, there's no way that we'll be able to take it. There's no way we can go into it. There's no way that we can take those cities. Jericho probably scared them. There's no way we can take Jericho. It's a fortified city. There's no way we're going to get in. Two of them, uh, Joshua and Caleb, they came back and said, God promised this is our, uh, was our land. He said that we could have it, and so it's ours. All we have to do is go and possess it. Well, because of the ten, they convinced all of Israel that it was an impossible feat, and God had to send Israel into the wilderness, or what we call the wilderness, a place outside of this promised land, for a whole generation to die off. Those people who didn't believe had to die, and those that were... Uh, younger, those that would be born, they would walk into the promised land. The only two that would survive this would be Joshua and Caleb because they had faith. Now these two spies are going in to look at the land again. Joshua said, go spy it out, go tell us. And you notice he didn't send 12 that time. He sent two. I thought that was because two came back faithful. He sent two. And so... I want you to see just the difference of something before we jump into it. I thought this was a great point. When the children of Israel first went, the ten forgot the promises of God. And when they did, the whole nation of Israel were, were scared to death. But then when Joshua steps up and takes over and he becomes the leader and he remembers the promises of God when he sends the two spies, what we find out and what you'll see here from Rahab is that it had changed. The people of Israel weren't terrified anymore. Now the people that were in the promised land that God had promised, now they're afraid. The tables had turned. 
because they understood the power of God. It switched, and God has a way of flipping the tables. Now, I didn't say that first service. I don't know who that's for, but maybe somebody in here needs a table turn, and the way that happens is faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's look at this. Mighty women. How do you, what, what are some characteristics of a mighty woman? Mighty women learn the acts of God. This is what we see about Rahab first thing. If you notice, when she's talking to these spies, she's saying, listen, you got to remember us. Remember me. I, 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 I want you to make a promise to me. I need safety. I need protection. Because I know who your God is. I've heard the stories. I heard how he split the Red Sea for you as you came out of Egypt. And now you're coming into this land. I've heard, I've heard about the mighty deeds. I've heard how God allowed you to, to destroy these other two armies. Totally destroy them. We've heard. I know. And so mighty women learn the acts of God. This is important because as we learn the acts of God, we understand who He is. We understand how big He is, how powerful He is. We understand that God is going to be faithful. We just sang about this. Like we just sang about how God has been faithful, and because He's been faithful, that He will not fail us. We sang it, we say He won't, He won't. Why? Because He has proven Himself to be faithful. Reputation, His reputation is set. His reputation we can count on. You know how you get a, reputa- a reputation? By doing something that's over and over and over and over again. For example, if somebody has a reputation for being generous, what do they do? They give all the time. They don't just give one time. They, they have a, a constant. They're constantly giving things away. That person's so generous. Why do we say that? Because they're giving here and they're giving there and they're giving to this person. And so they have this, this reputation. You can have a reputation of being mean. That person's so mean. You know how they get that reputation? Because they're always mean. Because they're, they're saying rude things to people. You know, it's y'all quit looking at each other. Y'all are laughing. Anyway, so sometimes you have a reputation of being kind. That's the kind of reputation some of you want. Why? Because they're kind over and over and over again. So God has a reputation of being faithful because he's been faithful over and over and over and over again. And so here's Rahab saying, I've seen or heard about, I've heard about the acts of God. And I know that He is a God that is big and powerful and faithful. In fact, she says, I know that He is both God in heaven above and earth below. So these acts of God, we learn these. We study the Scriptures to learn about the acts of God so we can understand His characteristics. And the more we understand the characteristics of God, the more faith that we can have. In fact, it leads her to the next characteristic of a mighty woman. A mighty woman trusts the power of God. Because she heard the stories. Because she learned the stories. She learned what God had done. It led her to a place where she trusted the power of God. In fact, she trusted in the power of God so much so that she became a traitor to her own people. Think about this for a minute. Here she is. She's in a city. And she's a citizen of this city. And here comes the, here comes the king's men. And 
They say, hey, we heard there's some men here, some spies. Yeah, they left already. She totally lied to them. The spies, that, that they'd come in into the city to spy it out so they could take it over. She turned against the king of Jericho. She turned against the, the king of her people. She trusted in the power of God more than she trusted in the power of her government. Amen. I mean, that, that'll, that'll preach for us right now, won't it? The way things are going, it's not just the government, but it could be government. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. People don't trust the government right now. I mean, it's, it, you know, we don't talk about that much here. Because we believe God saves anybody, everybody. But then also, the power of God... Trust the power of God over things like this. Whatever the doctor says, well, the doctor can say what he wants, but God's still God. Amen. And, and then on, uh, with this, the idea of even, even the power over death. You know, Scripture tells us uh, that there's a... Jesus was actually told this in Scripture. He said there was this story. There was a man named Lazarus that was at the gate of a rich man, and they both died at the same time. And here's what it says, that, the, that Lazarus was taken by angels to Abraham's bosom. And I believe what the Scripture says, and because I trust God, and He's been faithful over and over and over again, and He's always been faithful that we can trust His Word. So even in death, I know when I die or somebody that I love dies, and if they place their faith in Jesus Christ, that the angels escort them to the throne room of Jesus. I mean, you're talking about trust. You're talking about faith. You're talking about this, this peace in the middle of a storm. And, and look, you got to understand what we see in Scripture that we don't know if we're living in the last days. We don't know what's going to happen. But kingdoms have risen up and they've fallen. And we know that one day all kingdoms have to fall so that the throne of Jesus can be set up and he, he rules as king over all. But look, listen, if the banking system falls apart, and the U.S. dollar is worth nothing, our God still sits on the throne. Amen. If the doctor comes in and tells you you have six months to live, our king still sits on the throne. Amen. And, and, and so this power of God, we put our trust in it because we learn that God is faithful in the middle of all these circumstances that we see in the Scripture, but we also can learn from one another how God has been faithful in those hard times in our lives, and we can, uh, and we can learn just from our past how God's faithful in our own lives. Man, I'm going to tell you, we can trust in the power of God. The more we learn about who He is, the more we trust in Him. That's why it's important for us to make sure that we're studying, our, studying the Scriptures and Studying about who God is because as we get a view of Him, it causes us to be more like Rahab going, you know what? There's nothing on this earth more powerful than my God. And she says, I don't care. I live in one of the, I live in one of the most fortified cities that this world has ever seen. When people think about invading us, they think about us. In fact, Joshua did. He goes, Go check out the land, especially Jericho. I live in, I live in a city with a reputation, a, a city that no one could ever dream of taking. I live in safety. I live under a powerful king. And she says, I know 
and have learned the acts of God. And everything that I put my trust in is nothing compared to the power of God. In fact, she goes further because she learns more and more about who God is and puts her trust in the power of God. Mighty women, Rahab, mighty women believe God is above all. Above all. Everything. Heaven and earth. So she's not just saying he's, a, he's God or most powerful on earth, but he's also most powerful in heaven, spiritual. In fact, she puts her, her faith in God. She puts her, her, not just her physical faith, but her spiritual faith. We know this because she's the mother of another guy. His name is Boaz. Y'all know Boaz? Y'all ever heard about Boaz? We're going to study about Boaz in a few weeks. I think it's two weeks, from, or not next Sunday, then Sunday after, I think. But here, Boaz. We learn about Boaz. These are some of the things that we learn about Boaz. He's a man that's full of mercy and grace. Now, I don't know about you, but this is what I do know. Uh, you, your children learn from you. Amen. How many of you have had to get on your kids for saying something that you say all the time? You know, one of those words. You spanked them, but, and, and then, like, where'd you learn that? You say it all the time, Daddy, you know, uh, because they learn it from you. Uh, anybody in here have a child that has a little bit of a temper because you have a little bit of a temper? I'm guilty of that one. Anybody? Yeah? Anybody in here, your kid's got a little smart mouth because you got a bad smart mouth? Yeah? Okay. So, so we see that. So our kids pick up the characteristics of who we are. They display them. And so if Rahab's the mother of Boaz, and Boaz is a man full of mercy and grace, where do you think he found that? I think he found it from a mother who found Christ, who found God. You're like, oh, Christ, in the middle of this, how did that work? Well, she's saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, just on credit. God paid that credit off when he went to the cross. So, so here he learns this mercy and grace from a woman that was a prostitute but found mercy and grace in God because she, she knew that he was the most powerful and was above all. He was a man that was a man of integrity. You know why he was a man of integrity? Because his mom was changed from a woman... And we don't know what happened in her life and why she was having to sell herself and what situation that she was in, but it was a hopeless situation. And some people would think that she was less than and should be thrown out, but God comes and changes her life and makes her a woman of integrity that raises a son of integrity so much so that when a woman throws herself at him in the middle of the night to have relations with him, he says, no, we're going to do this the right way and covers her up. So, so we know that she was changed through the knowledge of who God is. And so here's this mighty woman that learned the acts of God that led her to trust in the power of God that made her believe that God was above all. In fact, she says that we know. Here's the problem for her, though. She's outside the promise of God. She has no promise. None. She, she has no promise to, uh, of, of land, no promise to be taken care of. She has no promise at all. She's outside. In fact, the only thing that she can look forward to is destruction. Because when, when the children of Israel are going to come into the land, and they're going to take over Jericho, 
the Jericho, all the people in Jericho, as those walls come tumbling down, they're going to be crushed in the wall, and they're also going to be chased down. They're going to be killed. She, she believes these things, okay? And so, so here's the problem. She learned about the acts of God. She trusted in the power of God. She believed God was above all, but she was outside the promise of God. And there was no promise for her. But what we learn is mighty women are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You notice what the men say? They say, hey, if you want us to save you, you have to do this one thing. I want you to hang this red rope outside the window. And they gave her. Now she had a promise. She had the promise of the red rope. Before that, she had no promise. And now she had the promise of the red rope. And the promise of the red rope said this, that when we come, if you have this red rope in the window, that you and anyone in your house that is under the protection of this red rope will be saved. Now, I want you to get this picture, okay? This, this promise is big, it's huge, it's so big, we find out that Rahab's house, her home, is part of the wall of Jericho. And we already said that the walls, what, came everywhere except where her house was. So when they marched around on that seventh day, the seventh time, and all the walls come tumbling down, her house was still standing with the red rope out the window. The power of God saved her from the destruction and gave her a promise. Just the same way that we have no promise apart from Jesus Christ. We have no promise. The world tries to tell us that we have these promises of God. But apart from Jesus Christ, we don't have any promises. These promises were made to Jesus and through Jesus. And the only way we have access to any of the promises is through Jesus. Because it says that He is the Son of God and He inherits, he inherits everything. But if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Scripture says we become co-heirs with Him. We have access to His inheritance. That we have access to the promises. Without Jesus Christ, we're like Rahab. We have no promises. We're outside the promises. We are set for destruction. We have a path of destruction. We have no hope, no way of delivering ourselves. We have no way to save ourselves. Rahab is in the most powerful fortress that the world could know at the time. And she realized, I have no hope against an all-powerful God unless He gives me a promise. And the promise that she gets, the promise that was given, was through these men that if you will hang this red rope out the window, which would signify or foreshadow the idea of the blood of Jesus Christ that would cover us and protect us from the destruction of God. And now all of a sudden through Jesus Christ, if we place our faith in Him the way that Rahab placed her faith in God, and we will put the red rope or the blood of Jesus on our life, when the destruction of God comes, we will be spared. We won't have to experience the destruction because we now have access to the promises of God. You know those promises of those promises of God, there's those books and there's all the promises of God. Those promises of God are to the children of God. If you're outside the promise, you're like Rahab, and those promises aren't for you. Those promises are for those people who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's kind of like when the children of Israel 
or it's really almost exactly like the children of Israel in Egypt. And the last plague comes, and, they, and death is going to walk the streets of Egypt. And God said, except for children of Israel, if you'll take a lamb and you kill the lamb, and you put the blood on the doorpost, I will pass by, or death will pass by. In every house that had the red stain, death passed by, and the wrath of God didn't touch that house. In the same way, when it came to the wrath of God and the destruction of, of these people, when Rahab had the promise of the red rope or the blood that was applied to her, she didn't have to experience the destruction that came from disobedience to the destruction who came from those people that were outside the promise. You know why these people had to be, dis- to be destroyed? Because they were living in the land that was promised by God. They, they were trespassers. They claimed something that wasn't theirs. They claimed to have something that didn't belong to them. And too often, the world tries to tell us that all the promises of God are ours, even if we do or don't believe in God. And we see it this way. You never go, well, hardly ever. You, hardly ever will you go to a funeral and somebody will say, this person never accepted Christ, and they're experiencing destruction now. Every funeral you go to, no matter how much the person rejected God, no how much they hated God, no matter how far they ran from God, you'll always hear people say the same thing. They're in a better place. And they're trying to claim, like Jericho, they're trying to claim a promise that's not theirs. That's not their land. It's not their promise. And here's Rahab. She has to be brought into the promise of God. Now, I love this. Watch this. So the promise of the, of the red rope then caused her to be adopted into the nation of Israel, so much so that she becomes or is part of the family line of Jesus. You see it in, see it in the New Testament. That she was brought in, so through the promise of the red rope now she has access to all the other promises and she now gets to live in the promised land it wasn't her land until the red rope hung outside the window the same way that the promise of God the promise of entering into into the kingdom of God's not ours until we have the red rope in the window the blood of Christ applied to our life and then mighty women seek the salvation of those around her You notice what she said? She said, don't just save me. I've got a family. I've got my mama and my daddy and my brother and my sister. And not only that, but their families. They need salvation too. Please, can they say? And here's what was said, okay? The men said, anyone who is under the protection of the promise of the red rope, they're going to be saved. But anybody who is outside of the house, they're going to be destroyed and it's going to be their fault. It's going to be them. They understand. You tell them that if they're outside the house, that it's over for them, that it's done. But anybody who is in the house under the promise of the red rope will be saved. So she was bringing her family in. Mighty women seek the salvation of those around her. And so, so you should be 
seeking to share the gospel, share the good news, talk about the acts of God, talk about how you trust in God and how God is above all and how God saved you with His shed blood of the cross. Bringing people under the salvation of Jesus that was bought with His blood that was shed on the cross. You're sharing that. and So mighty women seek to bring people into their home, into the place that is covered by the protection of the promise of the red robe. And this last point, and this could be true for our sermon series on mighty men. We were talking about God makes men mighty through His power, that men are mighty through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I think it, it works best this way. God makes women mighty. Rahab, I want you to think about this, okay? Rahab, yes, she, she put her faith into action, but she, she did something strange, like she lied. Now to mess your theology up, how'd you get saved? I lied to some people. <laughs> That's her story, isn't it? Don't, you can't get saved by lying. She messed all that up, and we don't know what God would have done if, he would have, you know, if she would have told the truth and how God would have, We don't know about all that, okay? All we know is she had faith. She, she took what she knew. The same way we take what we know when we... Because you think about Rahab, you're like, well, she messed that all up. She put her faith to the test and she lied. That's the best she's got. Well, the best we got is not much better. We put our faith into action and it's, it's really messy and ugly sometimes. But it was God that made her mighty. Maybe we're in that place or maybe you're in that place of a Rahab and you would look at your life right now and if you would have looked at Rahab and asked her what's going on in her life right there, she would probably say, my life sucks. Like, I'm not in a good place. Some of you, some of you might really connect with this idea. I mean, how bad off, or what kind of place do you have to be to sell yourself? And I would say all of us sell ourselves. It may not be with sex, but it could be in lots of different other areas of our life. We sell out. And our life is a mess. And, and, and maybe you think back to when you accepted Christ and you remember that time and you remember you saying, my life my life's terrible. It's nothing that I love. There's nothing that I, I don't like this. And you can remember back the destruction that was being brought into your life I can I, I can remember 
and oh Rahab had no hope. All she knew was this, is that God's coming, God's people's coming, and when they show up, I'm going to die. That's what she knew. In her own words, we know what your God has done, and we know that He's going to take this city. And maybe you're right there, and I'm going to tell you, apart from Jesus Christ, you're outside the promises of God, and if God shows up today, you're done. You're done. Man. Can you imagine? She got together and she's telling these, I mean, please make this promise. I need a promise. You've got to, I don't have any promises, so you've got to make a promise. And we know these men represented Christ and the salvation that he brings in two ways. They use a red rope and then they go and hide for three days before they before they escape, before they go back to camp. So, so, so here, here, I need a promise. I got to have a promise. I don't have a promise. I got to have a promise. Because I, without this promise, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm, I'm over. You got to give me a promise. Like, you have all the promises. You have everything. It's all yours. It's yours. You're going to get But I need, I need it. I need, I need a promise. And they said, if you will hang the red rope out the window. If you're apart from Jesus, if you've never made him your boss and your Lord, you're outside the promises of God. Your only hope is to say, God, I need a promise. I need a promise. i, I got to have something because without a promise, without... Your word, I'm done. And he would say, I got a promise of a red rope. And if you'll take the blood that I shed on the cross, and if you will trust me and make me your boss and the Lord of your life, if you will do that, then, then I will apply the blood, my blood to you, to the doorpost of your heart, and destruction will not come to your house. The, the walls around you fall apart. You will stand. And it's nothing that she did, did it? Because she lied. Her faith was a lie. I mean, here not her faith was a lie, but her faith as she practiced, she told a lie. She didn't have anything. All she had was, I need a promise. And guess what? That's all you have. You can't work enough. You can't, you can't do enough good works. You can't sing enough songs. You can't do come to church enough, you can't read your Bible enough, none of those things matter because Rahab, look, look at what Rahab had, she knew who God was, she heard the stories, she believed them, she trusted he was going to take the land, Every, she had all those things figured out, but you know what she didn't have? She didn't have a promise of the red rope. She didn't have the promise. Some of you need to make that today and say, God, I need you to save my life. That's what it means to be saved. That's why we use the word saved. I need you to save my life. I need you to apply the blood to my heart. I need you to be my Savior, my boss, and my Lord. And it's easy to do. All you have to do is, it's not that you, 
Not a prayer saves you, but it's the attitude of your heart and the faith of your heart. Uh, And so here's what you do with the attitude of your heart. You start to say things. And this is what you do. God, I know, like Rahab, I have no future. And my past is terrible. And without you, I have no hope. Will you be my boss and my savior? And I will follow you to the end of the world. It's that easy. And it doesn't even have to be that way. It doesn't even have to be that wordy. You can say, God, I am a failure. I'm a sinner. And I'm destined for hell. But if you will apply your blood to my life, I'll be saved. It's that easy. As you say that prayer, you take those steps. And then you start to follow Him. And you learn more about Him. And you trust Him more. And you take bigger risk and bigger steps. And all of a sudden, your life is totally different five years from now than it was today. Because you know why? Because you have a future. Now, some of you, and and I'm winding down, I promise. Some of you, you need to remember when you were Rahab. You need to remember what it's like to live in a wall that was meant for destruction. And how God gave you a promise. The promise of the red rope that then gave you access to all the other promises of God. The promise of the red rope that then gave you the promise of the land. Like bread. Y'all know how to include a little bit of food today. There's, there's a few things I spend full price on. Butter, I, I mean, I'm going to get real butter. I'm not getting parquet. I'm not getting, I can't believe it's not butter because I can't believe it's not butter. We're getting the real deal. And the second thing is, I'm not going to get off-brand bread. I mean, we used to eat that stuff. You don't even have to toast it and it's crunchy. I mean, it's just gummy. So you know what we're getting? Yep, the triple the price bunny bread. And if you never had it, you need to go buy it. Because that bunny bread, you know. look That off-brand, it's been on the shelf. Who knows? It's been in the truck. It's not fresh. It is just, ugh. But you get that bunny bread... And it's fresh, and you open up that bag, and you smell it. You know it's going to be good. That mayonnaise, tomato, bacon, and you bite into it, and that bread melts in your mouth because it's fresh. Some of you need to quit living on the old stale bread that you remember and get fresh bread today. You're remembering all the things he used to do, and you're forgetting all the things he's doing. And you're just coming to church. You're going through the motions. You're singing the songs. And, 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 and it's, you're like, it's not what it used to be. It's not what, what I remember. It's because God's trying to do something new in your life. He's not trying to look, remember what he did 10 years ago and 5 years ago. Remember that. But let that remembrance drive you to what he's doing today. Some of you need to quit eating the old stale bread and get some fresh bread today and remember that our God is a God that's high and lifted up. That He is, in the words of Rahab, the God of heaven above and earth below. 
And that no king, no government, no authority, not sin, not anything is more powerful than him. And remember like Rahab, God is bigger than my past. And God is bigger than my mistake. The mistake we started with that we have in our mind that we wish we could redo, God is bigger than that. And all of a sudden it drives you to a place. Can you imagine? I just can't imagine Rahab as, as... Because who wants to marry her? I mean, that's a story in itself. Who wants to marry her? Especially in the, in the camp of Israel. She's used up. But there's a man of God that says, she's mine. In the same way, you may feel like Rahab and you're like, nobody wants me. I'm used up. And God said, you're mine. You're not. I want you. That's the whole reason of the cross. I want you. And now you see our king in his throne, on his throne. And you see the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of everything that gave me the promise of the red rope that then gave me access to all the other promises because he made me a co-heir with him. And now not only is he my king, but the scripture says he's also my friend. And listen to this, ladies. You'll love it. Girls get it way better than us. But men, it's our promise too. He's the groom that's coming back because he said, I'm coming for you. And when he comes for us, we can be like Rahab as he sets out that red rope. I got to finish, but sets that red rope out that window. And when the Israelites are coming, she has a different aspect, a different idea, a different feeling and emotion when they're marching. Here comes deliverance for her. So what is it for you? Do you have the promise of the red robe? Do you? And if you don't, why not? And then if you do, remember. Man, remember how good it is to know that no matter what I've done, where I've been, what I've said, He said, salvation is yours. And I give you a future brighter than you ever thought. Church, you stand. The altar is going to be open. If you need to make Jesus your boss and Lord, you do that. You can do it right where you are. You can, you can come over here. We can help pray through that with you. I can't save you. It's the reason we don't stand in front of the altar because you don't need us. Your high priest, the scripture says, is Jesus Christ. You don't need anybody to get to the Father except for Jesus Christ. So we stand on either side. So you have direct access. Some of you might need to get on your face and say, God, give me fresh bread today. Some of you might need to just pray where you are. Jesus, save me. Whatever it is God would have you do, you respond to him. Lord, Father, I thank you. Your God is high and lifted up. 
but you came to earth to die on a cross and shed your blood so that I could have access to you. So that I could be a co-heir. So that I could have the promise of the red rope. God, make us mighty. You respond as the Spirit leads.